Hey, good morning. Welcome to Victory Church. How you doing? Come on, give me a better good morning. Come on, let me hear you this morning. I know it's raining. I know you're halfway asleep, but it's so good to be in the house today with you. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, I want to give just a couple of announcements before we get going today. Uh, number one, if you're visiting or you're watching online for the first time, we want to encourage you to connect with us. And here we have two ways you can do that this morning. Number one is if you're here physically when you came in, they gave you kind of a paper connection card when you walked in. Um, if you're online or if you'd rather just be able to stay contactless at this moment, uh, you can actually text to connect as well. And so that information will be coming up on the screen. But what you can do is you text VICTORY18 to the number 31996, and that will send you a digital version of our connection card. And here's what we ask you to do. Fill those out. Uh, there's some questions at the bottom, that, you, or, or I might say some check boxes at the bottom, where if you want more information about Dream Team or water baptism or salvation, then there's actually a other box where you can ask any questions that you might have. Do that for us. And then if you're here, you can actually take the actual paper connection card or proof from your phone that you sent it to our Welcome Center right out in the lobby, and they've got a special gift for you. And it's just our way of saying thank you so much for visiting today. I'm just a firm believer that as much as we all love to visit church Eventually, what we want to do is we want to get connected, and so it's, our, it's the best we can do at being able to connect you with people, uh, get you involved, whether it be Dream Team or small groups or different things, so do us a favor, fill that information out so that we can connect with you this week. Also, if you're looking for a way to give, and so we have so many people who faithfully give every month to Victory, and you'll hear a little bit about what we're doing with that today. Um, but if you're looking for a way to give, we give three ways, so you can do that through our website, tnvictory.com, or our app. Uh, you can also text to give as well. So just as you're texting to connect, you can text to give. Same, that information will come up on the screen. And then if maybe if you're just wanting to check or cash on your way out today, there'll be an auditorium host with a basket where you can do that as well. Every week, we try to take a moment and just say, hey, let's talk about where your finances are going. Let's talk about what God's doing through your faithfulness. Uh, one of the ways we're going to do that today is by introducing you to one of our partners, Isaiah 117. When you leave, there's a table out in the lobby uh, with some information, some people, representatives there. You could ask questions, get to know about it. It's an incredible, incredible ministry. Um, and in a moment, I'm going to bring one of the representatives up. We're going to talk a little bit about it before we get into the message. But I want to hit a couple calendar dates first. Uh, before we do that, next Sunday is Growth Track Sunday, okay? So what's going to happen is right after, Sunday, or right after church on Sunday, we will have about a 30 to 45 minute uh, kind of straight through session where we cover all three of our Growth Track steps um, and just be able to introduce you to the church, information about the church, uh, the values, the core values, the, what we believe as a church, and then how you can get connected. And so if you've been visiting for a while, you've come, maybe today's your first time, you say, hey, I, I really like the church, I want to know more about it, I really encourage you to go to Growth Track. There'll be more information Sunday when you walk out. They'll tell you how to get there. All you need to know is next Sunday when you leave, uh, just say, hey, I want to go to Growth Track, or follow the person with the sign, and we'll get you there, and I think you'll really enjoy it. We had seven people graduate Growth Track last month. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Come on. And so the, those people are joining the team and joining the family. And it's important to be on the Dream Team. Here's one of the reasons. If you're not on the Dream Team, you're missing out today because tonight we have one of our Dream Team parties where our whole Dream Team is going to go hit up Stars and Strikes and hang out together. So if you're on our Dream Team, uh, hopefully you know about that. If you don't, uh, ask your director so that you can get that information. We want to hang out today. And it's just our way of saying thank you for serving every week and allowing us the opportunity to have church and see people get touched and blessed. <clears throat> Lastly, last week we talked about our second core value, which was guide, and we talked about small groups. And what we did at the end of the service, we had everybody who was interested in small groups fill out one of these cards, 
And, and to kind of give you a real quick brief run through, we are starting a brand new curriculum called Rooted, Rooted Curriculum. It's very discipleship-based. Um, it goes through biblical knowledge as well as, pr- as, well as prayer, uh, community service, just an incredible uh, thing, I think, not only for you, but for your marriages, for your parenting relationships, for everything. And so we're really encouraging everybody to be involved in one of these. We're offering them three nights a week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. You can pick either night that works for you. It's a 10-week curriculum. The schedule works different for those uh, <clears throat> different meetings. And so that's why on this card, it gives you the opportunity to mark which night is best for you. And then we'll be contacting you soon and walking through the details of what time that is and all kinds of different stuff. So if you're interested in being in a small group with us, it starts the second week in October. So it gives us a few weeks to talk about it as well as prep for it. But hopefully you got one of these when you came in, uh, either now or after service, fill this out. You can put it in the offering basket. You can hand it to the Welcome Center. And that just lets us know that you're interested. And so we can contact you uh, and continue to share more information. Amen. All right, I want to take a second. I want to introduce Jessica, Miss Jessica from Isaiah 117. And what I want to do, I wanted to share just a couple of minutes about Isaiah 117 and what they do, just to kind of inform you guys, let you know what we're able to be a part of. Give it up for Jessica right now. Come on, let's hear it. Here you go, ma'am. That should work. So just share us real briefly. Just give us a minute or two uh, lowdown of what Isaiah 117 does. Sure. First, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. This is one of my favorite parts, not the public speaking, but my favorite parts is getting to see uh, the faces of those behind, getting behind our ministry that are on fire for what we're doing. Um, we exist to provide emotional and loving support in a home for kids entering the foster care system. Currently, when a child is removed from their home, they're taken to the DCS office where they sit and wait. Could be hours, sometimes it's days. Um, So we want to change that and instead bring them to a home where they can get all their needs met. I don't know if you know this or not, but DCS is not equipped with a shower. I just got a call um, this month for a kid that's been in there for, I think he was in there for four days, and they were like, do you have anywhere that we can bring him to shower? And so we looked up some places, called some churches, and one of them opened their doors to let him come shower. They're not equipped to handle these kids for long periods of time, and so we are changing that, and we want to bring them to a home instead. We currently have land. Um, It's off of Indian Park. It's seven minutes away from the DCS office, and we're super excited about it. Um, We broke ground. We are stuck in the planning department. Um, We should be out of there soon and on to codes. So I just want to say thank you so much for your support and for helping change the way foster care begins here in Northbrook County. A couple quick highlights. Number one, um, (laughs) go ahead ahead and celebrate that real quick. I'm the chair of the board of the YMCA here in Rutherford County, so let me know about those showers, because we have plenty of showers, and we can provide that. Secondly, I saw on Facebook about the need for uh, donations of porta-potties, and Trish, were y'all able to do that? We have not. We have some leads that we're continuing to follow up on. Okay. We do not have that yet. And so just in case God put somebody in here this morning, so it's porta-potties and, and what else? Dumpsters. Dumpsters. Um, just one porta-potty. It's for our build site. Um, it's one of the things that's going to be there for the six months. Um, we're hoping to be open in February, February. Um, if we can ever get out of planning. Um, so the porta-potty um, and then dumpsters, we'll need four to five of them throughout our build. Awesome. Okay, so real quick, share. I was telling our church for the past couple of weeks the story of how when kids come, they often come hungry, and so employees will often, out of their pocket, pay for the kids. So, so share that in a little bit better detail than I did. Uh, yes, that is true. So right now, currently, because we don't have our home, we are serving kids 
right now where they're at in the DCS office. So a kid will come in, DCS will call me and say, hey, they're hungry, this is what they want, and either I will go or a volunteer will go um, and pick up whatever they want and bring it to them. They'll also run to Walmart and get them, our goal is to send them to their foster placement with three to five days worth of things. So they'll go to Walmart and get them clothes and toiletries and whatever they need for the next three to five days. So that way um, a foster family can spend that precious time bonding with their child and not running up and down the Walmart aisles trying to figure out what they need for this new placement. Incredible. Isn't this a great ministry? Isn't this incredible? Here, here's what I love about what we do at Victory. We, we, we always support any of our partners two ways. Number one is just because of the faithful giving of those that call Victory Home, online family, in-present family, we're already able to be able to do something for you guys as well as that's why we bring them here. So in case you know somebody in here says, man, that's just an extra place to my heart and you wanna go beyond our involvement, you're able to do that. So the first thing we wanna do is this. Um, because that's such an incredible story there, I wanna invite Carrie and Steve Bach. These are our outreach directors. Give it up for Carrie and Steve real quick. Come on, give it up for them. So Carrie and Steve have taken over our outreach department. They, they monitor all of our different partners. You'll hear about some of those partners today, as well as they're heading up our missions trip next year to Costa Rica, right? All right, all right, so that's awesome. So I wanted you to be able to see their faces in case you have questions for that and connect with them. But because of all of your generosity and your faithfulness, right here what we have is we have $500 worth of gift cards for you. So you give those to the employees so that they can be able to pay for them, food and all that. But do me a favor. Can you just kind of reach your hands out for a second? We're gonna pray over Isaiah 117. Here's what we're praying for. We're praying that, that they would get the dumpsters. We're praying that they would get the porta bodies. We're praying that they would get out of planning. We're praying that that building would go up. And we're praying that every kid in our county that is in the foster care system will be able to find a healthy place, a healthy home. And in the meantime, God will just begin to pour his blessing out on this ministry. Father, we thank you right now. I thank you for Jessica. I thank you for Isaiah 117. I thank you for the vision behind this ministry. And I thank you that you've given us the mandate to be able to come alongside and help in any way possible. Your word is very specific on the orphans and the widows, very specific. And so we're doing all that we can right now to be able to team up with Isaiah 117 and bring the health that these kids need as they transition. I pray for every employee. I pray that you would give them strength, that you would give them boldness, that you would let them know that you hear their cries and you're involved. I pray for all of their needs, whether it be a dumpster, whether it be uh, a porta potty whether it be getting out of planning, whether it be any kind of building material. Lord, there could be somebody in here today. There could be somebody watching online. You could speak to the heart of somebody who's not even here, but we're moving your Holy Spirit in our prayer. And we just pray for provision. Father, we know you love the vision. We know you're behind it. And we pray you would move it forward. Every obstacle in their way, we pray you'd move right now. You just move it out of the way, Father. The way David moved Goliath, you would just move it out of the way so they would see nothing but favor. They'd be able to open, and they would be able to see uh, more than even their hearts imagine. Your word says that your ways are beyond our understanding. So even though they're casting vision, I pray you would do something even bigger than they could imagine. Father, we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Come on, give it up one more time for Isaiah 117 and Miss Jessica. Thank you so much. I'm going to turn this off, lay this right here. Again, just an incredible, incredible opportunity. I'm going to share a little bit today about all of our partners, but when we moved here, in case you're new or you've, or you've been here uh, for, I haven't said this since you've been here, put it that way. We moved to Rutherford County with the vision of providing what we could for our community. We believe that before we're ever responsible, we are a church in these walls, but we are responsible for what's happening on the outside of our walls. And so one of the things we said when we moved here is we weren't going to start 
anything new. We were going to come here and support everything that people were already doing. And if the Lord laid something on our heart that wasn't already being done, then we would start that. But we weren't coming in trying to reinvent the wheel, trying to be bigger, better than somebody. We just wanted to come in and hold the hands up of local ministries. And you're going to see some of that today. But it's just an incredible opportunity. I met Isaiah 117 uh, through a couple of members of the church here, brought them to my attention. I went to a meeting, met the, the people who lead it. And it's just an incredible, incredible ministry. And I can't wait to see all that God's going to do with it. Amen? All right, you ready for the word? Here we go. Acts chapter 11. Open your Bibles. Acts chapter 11. Open your phones. Uh, do whatever it is, however it is that you follow along with the scripture. We are studying through the book of Acts. But while we study through the book of Acts, we are looking at the vision of our church. And so it just so happens that Acts 9, 10, and 11, which are the three chapters we have covered over today in the past two weeks, have really opened up the vision for us. So Acts 9, I talked about our vision of growing, growing. That's us growing in God. That's us growing the kingdom of God. And we talked about sharing the gospel and people being saved and the urgency and importance of that and how we should return to that, to sharing the gospel. Uh, then we talked about the guide uh, value of our church, which is all about community and fellowship and discipleship and small groups. And Acts 10 really lined that up. And we really encourage you, I, I, I repeat it again, I really encourage you to get into a small group. Um, church is an amazing experience. Sunday is an amazing experience. But the truth of the matter is something about discipleship in small groups helps you through your life. It helps you when you have problems in your home. It helps you when you have problems with your finances. It helps you when you have problems with your faith. And so there's just nothing like a small group. And I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. I know you don't have time, but listen to me. Make time, okay? Because at some point, you're going to have an area of your life that falls apart, and you're going to go, I wish I would have had time to do something about this because now you'll have time. So I'm just encouraging you right now. We're doing all we can to make it available, but the ball's in your court on whether or not you actually get involved. And so grow, guide. And then what we're going to do today is we're going to take our last two values, give and go, and we're going to combine them and talk about them in one message today from the book of Acts chapter 11. So let's see. Do, here we go. All right. So we're going to start at verse 19. So verses 1 through 18, here's what was happening there. It's basically 1 through 18 is Peter retelling the story of what happened in chapter 10, his interaction with Cornelius and all that. So that's why we're going to skip those verses because he's just reiterating what happened. We'll pick up in verse 19. It says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. Remember Stephen being martyred uh, chapters ago that we read. Those, those that were being scattered because of that persecution, they traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. So they were traveling and sharing the gospel with nobody but Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. So now they're kind of uh, getting out of that box of speaking to Jews. They're starting to tell other people about the gospel. Hence, that's what Peter and Cornelius were all about, how the gospel is now for Gentiles, not just Jews. And now it's starting to share and spread. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So the hand of the Lord is with them as they're sharing the gospel. People are getting saved. It's awesome. <clears throat> and the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And so they're like, this is incredible. We got to send somebody to monitor this. So they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he extorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So once again, people are being saved. So Barnabas went to Tarsus 
to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So now Barnabas and Saul are in Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and they taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So there's that information in case you ever wondered where it is. It's in the book of Acts. The first time Christ followers were ever referred to as Christians. It happened in Antioch. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. So everybody's coming to see this incredible move of God. And one of them was named Agabus. He stood up and he foretold, he prophesied by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. Now, in parentheses in your Bible, you're going to see where it says this took place in days of Claudius. Because the Bible was written later, right, these events happen and the Bible was written later, they're letting you know when this happened so that there's evidence that this was a reliable uh, prophetic message, okay? So in other words, this, this wasn't something somebody said and didn't come true. It happened. This famine happened. But here's the two verses we're going to really hammer on today, uh, verses 29 or verses 29 and 30. It says, so... The disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. I want to talk to you for a moment today from the idea give and go. Pretty simple. Give and go, our last two core values. My youngest daughter, Casey Ray, she's six, she'll be seven December. She loves money, okay? I'm just gonna let you know. She doesn't worship money, so don't judge me as a parent. Uh, she's very generous, but she just loves money. She, d- she just knows that if she has money, she can get toys, so she's constantly looking for ways to get money. She, I've shared the story of her doing yard sales at our house. She will go up to, when my, when my in-laws come in town, she'll go to them and say, you know, if I clean up my room, can I get $20? You know, I mean, she's a hustler. She really is. And so uh, because she's so generous, She'll get money, but she'll turn around and give it away. She got 20 bucks and tried to give the whole 20 bucks to the waitress one time at a restaurant as a tip after we tipped her, you know? She was just trying to get a double blessing. And so she's just generous like that. And so one day, uh, Chris and Denise, who are two of our directors, they were having a yard sale, and they let me know about it because Casey Ray loves yard sales because she's smart. She's like, I can get a lot of toys for a little bit of money, so she goes to yard sales. Um, and so we rolled up to the yard sale, and I, I kind of looked back towards her, and I said, hey, baby, do you have money? Because I'm not, I don't have any money. I don't have any cash. And she said, yeah, Daddy, I have $2. And I was like, okay, cool. Yard sale, we can get a couple things. Let's go. So we get out. We go into the yard sale. And I just went and sat down in one of Chris and Denise's chairs and talked to Chris while Casey Ray did her shopping. Now, I don't know how many of you know Denise. Denise, when she does it, she does it right, okay? This yard sale had like six tents up, and it looked like Target had taken everything in their store and put it in her driveway. Like, it was insane. So Casey Ray, it took Casey Ray 25 minutes to shop at the yard sale. She's just shopping around. And at one point, she's got so much stuff that Denise got her a plastic Kroger bag, all right? That's how much stuff she's got. So she's packing the Kroger bag full of stuff, and she gets up to the little table to pay, and I'm sitting by the table, and I'm looking at her, and you can see it in her face. Like, she, she doesn't know how much stuff is, but she knows she has a lot of stuff. And so she's kind of like, okay, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to afford this. So I can already see it in her eyes. She's trying to kind of figure out what she wants, what she's going to put back, that kind of thing. And I knew what was about to happen. Darla knew what was about to happen. Denise knew what was about to happen. But Casey Ray had no idea what was about to happen. But because it was Denise's yard sale... Denise just walked over to her, and she kind of leaned down, looked at her, and she said, baby, all this stuff right here? In case Ray's like, yes, ma'am. She's like, you can just have it. 
And I mean, she was like, what? You know what I mean? It was like, like this whole moment came over her where she realized what was about to happen because all of this stuff that she wanted that she wasn't sure she was gonna be able to afford, she was now just gifted with. Here's what we have to understand, church. Each one of us have the access to the opportunity of making a difference by serving other people. Every one of us, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how young you are, I don't care your financial background, I don't care your theological background, we all have access to opportunity to make a difference by serving other people. And watch, here's how we do it. Out of the overflow that God has given us, okay? This is how you're blessing people. Well, I don't know how to. You do it out of the overflow that God has already blessed you with. Now, I'm gonna do an entire series in November about this concept of how God gives us overflow and how we turn around, and then God, it's just gonna be incredible. It's gonna be called The Greatest Adventure, and it's gonna be incredible. But we have to understand that, that concept, that God has blessed you. Let me ask this, real, just kind of a quick, if you don't like to raise your hand in public, just do give me one of these. How many of you are blessed by God? Let me see, just see your hand, okay? All right, so I know I'm talking to the right people. We are able to help others out of the blessing that God's given us. In Acts chapter two, the early church took everything they had, they sold it, the things they didn't need, they sold it, and then they gave the money to people who didn't have, okay? In Acts four, it's referring to the early church, and it says that they never claimed anything as theirs, that means if it's my lawnmower, it's your lawnmower. If it's my car, it's your car. You see what I'm saying? If, if it's my crock pot, it's your crock pot. Like we never claimed anything as theirs. And then Acts 11, we see them sending resource through Barnabas and Saul to help Judea in preparation for the famine. The early churches of Acts understood the mandate that was on them and the opportunity that was before them. Please, understand that generosity out of you is both an opportunity in front of you and a mandate that is on you. As a believer, the early churches understood, this is the mandate on me, this is the opportunity in front of me, and it is to help meet the needs of other people, which is why at Victory Church we have four core values our first two core values, grow and guide, are all about us changing. Our last two core values, give and go, are all about us changing the world. Okay? So, so that's how we operate here. The first two things we care about is you growing God, you guiding in discipleship, you changing. The next two things are about you giving out of your resource and going and making a difference and you changing the world. It's not just enough for you to change. You should be changing the world. And it's not enough for you to just change the world. You should be changing. So let's talk about that for a little bit this morning. Number one is this, that here at Victory, we give what we got. We give what we got. That's kind of my way of talking from Memphis. We give what we got. Okay, let's go back to Acts chapter 11. Let's look at verse 29. Read this with me. It says, so the disciples determined, they determined, they made up their mind. Okay? The disciples made a decision. They didn't make a decision later. They didn't make a decision based. They determined in their mind, watch this. This is the really important part. Everyone according to his what? Ability. 
Everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Now, when you study those words, everyone according to his ability, those six words, when you study those six words, there are actually theologically two definitions, okay? When you read that, there's two definitions. Definition one is what it sounds like to you. They gave out of their ability in terms of what they have, okay? They gave based off of what they have, what they were able to give. In other words, I got $10, uh, I got to pay $3 for rent, I got to pay $2 for the car, I got five bucks available, I'm giving you five bucks, I'm giving out of what I have. It's the understanding that our Father in heaven blesses us so that we in return can be a blessing. Believing. He's not blessing us in the concept of only if we're a blessing. But it's us getting to a place where we understand we are so blessed by God, how could we not be a blessing? There's a whole study series by Andy Stanley called Be Rich where he talks about how if we make, I think it's about $32,000 a year, you are richer than like 98% of the world. In other words, we are blessed and we should be giving out of that blessing to bless other people. In fact, Proverbs says this, it says that generous people prosper. When, when we're generous, when we're looking for ways to give, we're putting ourselves in a place, and I'm, hopefully you'll, you'll feel this Holy Spirit-led as this service ends, but when we put ourselves in a position where we're generous, we are, we are putting ourselves in a position to have to be cared by God, right? If I'm going to step out, God, then I need you to come in and help. And now we get into a supernatural realm because we're generous. We prosper beyond the ways that we should because we're being generous. Proverbs also goes on to say, those who refresh others will be refreshed. So when you give your water so that somebody can be refreshed, guess what? Somehow you're gonna get water so you can be refreshed. The Wall Street Journal put out an article in 2013 and the actual title of the article was Hardwired Forgiving. And what their study showed is that you and I, in the makeup of our bodies, the scientific explanation of our bodies, that we have neurochemicals in our brain that once we are generous, they start firing and we experience pleasure. So think about this. The creator of the world, y'all ever seen Toy Story, and that, that, that movie where Woody, he gets damaged and they take him to this guy who's like professionally fixing him and he's got like this little mirror on his glasses and he's got these tweezers and he's putting Woody's arm on and he's sewing it. That's the way God is with us, right? So according to the Bible, he knit us in our mother's womb. So as he's putting us together, as he's got the magnifying glass and the tweezers and he's putting us together, inside our brain, he designed us us in a way that when we are generous to other people, it brings us pleasure. God did this on purpose. He knew we'd need a little bit of an encouragement, right? He knew that naturally we don't want to give. Naturally, we want to keep. But God said, if I design you in a way that automatically when you give, you feel pleasure, and I'm not teaching you anything you don't know. You all know the pleasure you experience when you seriously, sacrificially give to somebody. When you step out and do whatever you can for somebody, when you don't want anything in return, and you know what that feels like. You know that pleasure, that, or that pleasure, that blessing that comes. And it made me think this. 
If the purpose of life is to discover our gift, you know, purpose-driven life, book, if, it, if the purpose of our life is to discover our gift, then I think the meaning of life is for us to give that gift away. If, if our purpose is to discover what our gift is, then I think the meaning of life is to give it away. And I don't know that there's anything more powerful than giving the gifts that God has given us, whether it be physical, whether it be financial, whether it be mental, whether it be spiritual, to be able to give those to help somebody else. I was sitting in our living room one morning getting ready to take our kids to school, and Veda, my oldest, she came to me and she let me know that there was something going on at school that was special, out of the ordinary, and she needed $2 to be able to get it. Now, the $2 was not my concern, but I wanted to ask questions for a couple reasons. Number one, I wanted to know if she was tricking me to get my money, you know what I mean? Um, I also didn't want to have to give her $2 every day, right, because I gave it to her once. So I'm asking all these questions, and me and her are sitting on the couch, and Casey Ray's finishing getting ready before we leave, and I ask her about it, and as I go to ask Veda, Casey Ray leaves. She just runs, and she's running up our stairs, up our stairs, and you can hear her upstairs running around all crazy, and then like me and Veda both are like, what just happened? And then all of a sudden, doo, 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 boo, 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 she comes back downstairs and she runs in front of me and she gives $2 to Veda, just like this. She had some money and she heard that Veda needed some money and she has such a generous heart and she understands at six years old that giving to other people brings pleasure to her that she ran to get her money. Now, here's something I wanna teach you that you might not know about. As her father, the moment she did that, I wanted to give her $20, I don't have $20, but I was like, that was the coolest thing. That was so, I just wanted to give something to her because I didn't have to ask her to do that. Matter of fact, I wouldn't have asked her to do that. That was her money. I was gonna, I'm, I'm Veda's provider, so I was going to give Veda $2. But the fact that Casey Ray said, and she didn't say it verbally, but by her action said, no, daddy, I got this. I've got something that I can give her. That made me want to give her more. And I just think, I think that when we parent we get, to, we get to see more and more identity and attributes of God. I re we really do. And I think that moment, I got to really see how God feels when you and I go out of our way to use what we have to bless other people. God didn't ask us to do it. God was gonna provide for them. He's their father. But when he sees us do without so that somebody else can have, I think there's something in God that says, I wanna give them even more. I was already going to bless them, but now I want to give them even more because my child is generous, right? But here is the danger, and here's what most of us struggle with and the difficulty that most of us face. As Pastor Troy, that sounds great, but the truth is that many of us feel like we don't have enough ourselves to be able to help anybody, right? Like, I'd love to be generous, but let's just be honest, I don't have enough money. I barely can pay my bills as it is. So it's hard. I want to be generous. I'd love to pay for their coffee or buy them gas, but I'll be honest with you, then I, then I can't pay my bills. Or, you know, I'd love to give. I'd love to serve. I'd love to give back out of my talents, but I don't have the time. Or I'd love to do something that God has gifted me with to be able to bless other people, but I don't have the talent. And before you know it, it's not our willingness to be generous that's stopping us from sharing our time and our talent and our tithe. What's stopping us is the fact that we don't feel like we have enough. But our problem isn't our lack of resource. Our problem is our lack of faith of what God can do with that resource. Am I right? The, the real struggle that we're having, the real spiritual arm wrestling contest that we're having is not 
do we have the resource. It's whether or not we have the faith that God can honor what we do with that resource and provide for us in the process. In other words, if I'm generous, does God help me provide financially? If I step out, does God help me be better than I thought I was gonna be? Does God provide the time? If I just have faith with my resource, does God help me use it? I told you in the beginning that uh, verse 29 had two meanings according to his ability was going two separate ways. It actually could have been translated either way. It could have been translated as according to his ability physically, what they have, what they're able to do, or according to their faith. So it's not just what they have, but it's where is their faith. In other words, sometimes you have more than you actually have if you have faith, right? Sometimes you can do more than you can actually do if you have faith. So that's what that verse is saying. Not only do you have it physically, but do you have the faith to trust God that there's more there than you can see? In other words, if I step out, will God bless it? Or do I not give it because when I look at it, when I view it on the, on the physical aspect, there's just not enough there for me to be generous. Have you ever said, God, I want to be generous. I just don't have enough to be it. It got me thinking about a couple people. First of all was the boy with the five loaves. Two fish, five loaves. Jesus puts him in a situation where he asks him to be generous. And if anybody could have said, no, nah, bro, this is all I got. This is enough for me. It's a number three. You know, I can't, I can't share this. But he had enough faith to be able to see what he had as being able to have more. So he gave it to God. Started thinking about the widow who had, uh, the Bible says, a small handful of flour and a jar of oil. And she was asked to give it. She gave it. Not only did she uh, eat for a while, so did the prophet. There's another woman, the Shunammite woman, who had a small room to offer, offer up to the prophet. She did that. Then I got to thinking about David and the five stones and the giant and all these people in the Bible. Watch this. Whether it's literal resource, like financial resource, that's what that flour and oil would have been. That's what the loaves and fish would have been, or yeah, loaves and fish or whether it's gifting as far as talent and skill, that would have been where David was. The problem is never the resource. The problem is never about the size of what you have to give. It's about your willingness to give it. And I just need you to hear that, that when it comes to the God that you worship and the God that you follow and the God that you live for, it will never be about the, the amount that you have to give. The impact will always rely on your willingness to give it. And if you're willing to step out and give it, if you trust God, there will always be a miraculous way. Well, I just don't have enough to give. I just don't have anything to give. I need to talk to two different kinds of people. Number one is the person who says, I don't have enough to give. Listen to me. You don't have enough not to give, okay? Because when you step out and you trust God with your finances, what you have, which is already not enough, is blessed, you need to trust God with your finances. If you're in this place and you are not doing well financially, you need to stop what you're doing and trust God with your finances. I knew it'd get quiet, but I'm just telling you. If you don't know how to do that, ask me after church. I'll tell you. Darla and I, years ago, and I've told these stories before, my kids would bring me toys with batteries that didn't work. I'd throw the toy away because I couldn't afford more batteries. And we've never been in a healthier place than we are financially. And the only difference 
is that we started honoring God with our finances. It's the only difference. Grab somebody. There's a single mom who goes to church here that sent me a testimony. I'm going to share it in more in depth in The Greatest Adventure where she just knew she had to start support. She just knew she had to start tithing. She knew that's what she had to start doing. So she did it, and she said all these surprising bills came. She said, I was able to cover every one of them, and I was able to put more in savings than I was ever able to do it. She said, how? Because you honored God. You honored God. It's not some money-making system. When God sees your resource and sees that you want to give, God provides more so that you can. That's for those of you that say I don't have enough. Let me talk to those of you that say I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything. I'm not talented at anything. I, I, I don't have any kind of gifting, any spiritual gift. I, I can't give anything. Listen to me. Yes, you can. You can give exactly what you have. You just have to trust God with what it is you provide. I have a friend uh, he is the COO of a company, and they have one of one of the many things in the company is a concert venue that is so large that they normally charge about fifty five hundred dollars to rent it for one night. Okay, it's a massive concert venue, LED wall, music, the whole deal. And he was telling me this story of pause that I just know about him, but there were these two high school kids somewhere in the Nashville area who had become very popular running raves. So they were having secular raves, and they were just exploding. Thousands of kids were coming. It was crazy. They were making money hand over fist, okay? Meanwhile, these two college kids decide that they want to try to lead those kids to the Lord, and they want to try to share the gospel at their raves. So that's their plan. So they drove around a neighborhood, prayed, and the Holy Spirit gave them the location of the guy who promoted the raves. They went and met with them, and they said, we want to you know, team up with you, partner with you, want to share the gospel. The guy said, nope, not happening. I'm not interested in having the gospel shared. So those two college students knew my friend, and they got to talking, and my friend said, set up a meeting between me, y'all, and the two kids that are promoting the raves. So they did. And he sat down in the meeting, and he let them just kind of chit-chat for a second, introduced who he was, and they just had a good time. And he got ready to leave, and he stood up, and he said, listen, I got to go. got to get to my daughter's volleyball game, but I want to I offer you something. He said, I have a, he said, I have a venue. He gave him the square footage. He said, it's normally $5,500 to rent a night. He said, I'm going to give it to you for free so that you can do your raves there. And the guy sits up, you know, he's one of those kids. He had like the penny loafers on and the shirt buttoned down here and the gold chain. He sat up. He said, what are you talking about? He said, I want to give you my venue for free. And the guy said, well, what do you want out of it? He said, the only thing I want out of it is at the end of your rave, you let these guys get up and share the gospel. And the guy said, no, not happening. You're not doing it. My friend stood up and before he left, he said, that's fine. He said, but listen to me. He said, I know that you can't find a venue because what had happened was these guys had wrecked every venue that they had rented for these raves. So they had no venue now to be able to use it, right? And so he said, uh, you know, I, I, I know that you can't get a venue, so you can use my venue. Left him information left. A little bit of time goes by. They contact him. They said, all right, we're interested. He brings his business partner. High school kid had a business partner. Uh, they sat down together, and they said, guy leaned up and said, what is this gospel you want to share? And so my friend just began to tell him a little bit. He said, look, I'm not going to do anything crazy. We're just, we'll let you do your rave as normal. And at the very end, I'm going to have, you know, these guys get up, and they're just going to tell you know, the gospel, tell their testimony, talk about Jesus, give people the opportunity to be saved. At the very end, you know, no, no big deal, no big deal. The guy said, all right, deal. So it was planned. Started promoting the rave. The night of the rave, 1,000 kids show up to this venue, 1,000 kids. It had gotten back to my friend through the rumor mill that what had happened is the promoter kids had kind of told everybody what was going to happen. So they said, hey, when these guys get up at the end and start sharing the gospel, just leave, right? That's kind of what had happened. And so they get to talking to them, 
and the, the college kids know this, so they get up, and what they do is they invite the high school promoters up on the stage. So now that the promoter's on the stage, nobody wants to leave, right? And so they end up sharing the gospel right there. 400 kids get saved at that rave, including the two promoters. How insane is that, right? Come on, you can give God praise, way better praise than that for that. That's incredible. All because he was willing to give what? What he had. All he had was a venue. He's just got a venue. It's a, it could be great for a rape. Well, that sounds like secular. We can't have that. No, we can have it as long as we share the gospel at the end of it. We can do anything as long as we have an opportunity to share the gospel. It's using whatever it is that you have. That's the check you need to think about today. That's the self-prayer you need to have today is what has God given me that he's calling me to give so that people can come to know the gospel? This is the whole purpose of a church is it gives you a venue to be able to use what God gave you so that people can hear the gospel. If you're a part of victory and you don't trust God with your finances, you need to do that. If you're a part of victory and you don't serve, you need to do that. Why? Because it is an opportunity for you to use what God has blessed you with to help other people. After church last week, this woman walked up to me, and I just wanted to hug her. So I hugged her, and she had tears in her eyes. I said, why are you crying? And through her tears, she's like, kind of, I texted this to our dream team this week. She's kind of over her tears. She just says, because I found my church. That's incredible to me. I found out she walks here. She walks to church. Like, like, these are just incredible things to learn. So guess what? What does that matter? It matters because every person that worked in V-Kids last Sunday made that happen. Because if they don't have V-Kids, we don't have kids ministry, and you ain't coming to church. So because we had church, Every First Impressions team member that held open the doors, the ones that hold umbrellas, the one that give information, the one that hold, direct you where to go, it all that lady experienced church because of them. The production team that put on lights and put on service, the worship team that led us in worship, none of it happens if they're not here to serve. They used what God gave them, and because of that, people are being blessed. It's our responsibility to give what we got. And so I challenge you from this pulpit. I don't have a pulpit, but I challenge you from the stage. Give what you got. And if you're not, why aren't you? And talk to the Lord about it. Because it's a value of who we are. We are changing the world, and God sent you here to be a part of it. Amen? Next is this, we go where we're needed. We give what we got, and then we go where we're needed. Let's go back to Acts 11. Now we're gonna look at verse 30, and it says, they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So what had happened was, they could not physically go, so they sent the resource there through Barnabas and Saul. Here at Victory Church, this is pretty common for us. It's pretty common that we will either do one of two things, we will either go ourselves or we'll send it through resource through somebody else. Think about Isaiah 117. We can't necessarily do that, right? I have certain responsibilities during the week, so I can't necessarily do exactly what they're doing, but I can send my resource to be able to help them do it. 
Make sense? At Victory, we focus on a strategic, on, on strategic missions, doing our part to make sure every person in the world has an opportunity to hear the gospel. Isaiah 117 isn't just about the actual ministry that they're doing. It's also about the fact that these kids get to experience Jesus, right? All these ministries I'm about to tell you about that we support, it's not just about the physical advancement that they're doing, but it's about the opportunity for people to hear Jesus. I, because of my responsibility at the Y, uh, this past Saturday, I volunteered at the 5K race that they do. And the executive director gave me the opportunity to emcee it, and I got the opportunity to pray over this event. And so all these runners who are getting ready to run, I shared about domestic abuse because that's what the 5K race supports. And I had the opportunity to pray, to proclaim the name of Jesus over that place. So it's not just about serving, it is about serving. But it's also about proclaiming the name of Jesus. So sometimes we can go. Costa Rica, here we come, baby, we'll be there. But when we can't go, we send the resources. We couldn't be in, uh, oh goodness, I can't even remember the certain places now. We couldn't be in Waverly physically yet. So we send resources, right? We can't, we can't be in these places, so we send convoy. Anyway, I'll get to that in a minute. But let me show you. I want to show you real quick the way that we do this. So we do it in three ways. It's uh, local missions, national missions, and international missions. And so these are just some of the areas that we do this. Obviously, local missions right off the bat is our dream team, right? You're able to serve here and impact lives right here. But along with that, we do local outreaches. We were at the 4th of July event. We'll be teaming up in October. Listen to me. We'll be teaming up with the YMCA, putting on a trunk or treat outreach for our community. So it'll be us and the Y, and we'll team up together. That'll be just an incredible local outreach. We partner with a ministry called Empowerment Incorporated. Janelle Douglas runs that ministry. She started that ministry. And it provides um, academic help for schools in Rutherford County. There's so much to it. We're going we're to take a month every year next year and start highlighting these ministries more specifically so you can know more about where our, our resources are going and what's happening. But she goes in and helps them pre prepare for tests and helps them prepare for college. It's phenomenal. During COVID, she did everything she could to get it going online where she could still Zoom and train these kids. How awesome is that? She could have been like, oh, it's COVID. We'll just count it up. No, she found a way to get them on Zoom. And if you know what it's like to be on Zoom with kids, it's terrible. And she found a way to train them. Uh, we support Nourish, Nourish Food Bank, which is more of a Rutherford County food bank. We support the YMCA. We support Rock Springs Middle School. We support Scott Horton Ministries. Y'all heard him speak about uh, a couple months ago while, while Don and I were out of town, where he has an, an opportunity. It's, 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 a, it's a, an alternative for abortion. And every day he's down in Planned Parenthood sharing the gospel. Those are ministries we support that are just local. It's just some of them. National, Convoy of Hope. They're both national and international. But through our support of Convoy of Hope, they were there. Every time there's a disaster event, they're there. Second Harvest Food Bank, which is more of a global food bank, we support them. Isaiah 117. Katie Carter is our missionary in Costa Rica. The Bartholow family are our missionaries in Thailand. And so these are just some of the things that we do, local, international, national. And sometimes we can go and we're there. That's why we're at the park for 4th of July, because we can be there. But sometimes we can't be there. I can't be in Thailand, but I can send my resources to the Bartholows. I can't be everywhere that Isaiah 117 is, but we can support them. I can't be everywhere the food bank is. But you know what? Anytime somebody ever asks me that they need food, I can tell them, I got two locations you can go to. And if they don't give you food, let me know because I'm giving them money so they can give you food. It's our support of the communities around. It's what God's called us to do. Give what we got and go where we're needed. The early church taught us 
to serve the practical needs of the people in our city so that they might in turn open their hearts to God. Everybody over here, look at me real quick. Especially y'all. You're mandated. You're mandated to give what you got and to go where you're called so that people can hear about Jesus. If you got arms, you better use them. If you got feet, you need to use them. If you got money, you need to use it. I'm not an apocalyptic type preacher, but at some point, we're done here. And when I get before my Jesus, I don't want to just say, hey, I'm so glad you saved me, and then I did whatever I wanted to do. I want to say, I'm so glad you saved me. I did everything I could so that people could hear about Jesus. I didn't just preach the gospel. I carried groceries. I didn't just carry groceries. I wrote a check. I didn't just write a check. I got up at five, four o'clock in the morning and went to a 5K race. Father, give me grace. All right, that was for them. This is for you. Pay attention. You're mandated. If you're saved by the blood of Jesus, you're mandated to give what you got and to go where you're called and needed to help other people who may not have. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing. Well, I don't have a lot. The Bible never asks for a lot. In fact, the theme of the Bible is just a little. And it's the same thing for you and I. Let me tell you the story and then we'll pray. There was this guy named Anthony. He's traveling. He gets to the airport, finds out that his airplane's delayed a little bit. So he goes over to the snack area and he gets a bag of donuts and a coffee. And he's going to sit down and everywhere he looks, there's no available seating. And so he's trying to figure out where he's going to sit. And there's this one table that has this one guy sitting at it and one open chair. So he walks over and kind of makes one of those eye connections like, hey, do you mind? The guy nods. So he sits down, takes his jacket off, hangs it on a chair, puts his bag down, sits down has a magazine, opens the magazine, starts to read it. After reading the magazine for a little bit, reaches over to his coffee, takes a sip of coffee, reaches in the bag of donuts, gets a donut, eats it. A little bit of time goes by, hasn't spoke to the man across from him, keeps on reading his magazine, reaches up, gets a drink of coffee, reaches in the donut, gets a donut, goes on. Then like out of his peripheral vision, he sees the guy at the table with him reach over and get a donut out of his donut bag. And it just kind of at first was like, whoa, right? And he didn't want to like trip and get crazy or anything. But he's like, I can't believe this guy is eating my donuts, right? So he's just kind of sitting there minding his business. So he drinks his coffee, gets a donut. Sure enough, out of his perfect guy, again, reaches in, gets a donut. So Anthony just kind of reaches up and grabs the bag real secretly and just pulls the bag towards him, you know, just to kind of send a nice message of like, hey, stay out of my donuts. Goes back to reading the magazine. He's drink coffee, has a donut. All of a sudden, he sees the guy like lean up out of his seat and reach over into the bag and get one of Anthony's donuts and start eating. And Anthony's like, are you kidding me right now? You know, he's like, he's saying it all to himself. He doesn't want to be. I mean, the guy did offer him a chair, but this is insane. Like, this is absolutely crazy. So he goes back to reading his magazine, drink coffee, donut. And he's just, I mean, he's losing his mind here. And all of a sudden, he notices that in the bag is one donut left, Right? So he's, you know, he's reading the magazine. He sees that. He's fixing to go get the note. And this, this announcement comes over speaker. 
and it's, it's the guy's plane. The guy who's sitting at the table with him, his plane's, you know, boarding. So the guy stands up on the table. Anthony's sitting down. He stands up, reaches into the bag, gets the final donut, breaks it in half, pops one half in his mouth, lays the other half on a napkin, and slides it over to Anthony, bids him a day, good day, and goes and gets on his plane. Anthony's flabbergasted. Like, this is... This is the craziest thing he's ever experienced. Like, this dude is so bold. This is insane what just happened right there. And so as he's trying to gather all of his emotions and thought, the speaker comes on. His plane is now boarding. So he gets up, puts his jacket on, goes to grab his bag, and his bag of donuts is on the ground by his bag. For those of you that it's a little slow, he had been eating that guy's donuts. So here he is, angry that this guy has the audacity to eat his donuts, and this guy is happily sharing his donuts. He didn't drag them back over to him. He got out of his chair and reached up, and then at the very end, when he's leaving, he's got one donut left, and he has the heart to break that donut in half and put it and slide it over to Anthony. Listen to me, church. That's who we have to be. God owns all the donuts. And we have to get to a place where we are not sitting all angry going, I can't believe he wants this. We have to be willing to share and give and be excited about it because you never know who you might be blessing because of your generosity. And you never know the provision of God because of your generosity. Those of you that are hardcore Bible readers, you might have read before that in Jewish custom, when a father gives his inheritance to his kids, he gives 50% of his inheritance to the firstborn son. You've heard that illustration through the prodigal son and a few other stories. He gives 50%. So you take his inheritance, 50% of that inheritance goes to the firstborn son, the other 50% that's left is then split up evenly amongst the other. Most men had, you know, four or more kids in that day. So you're talking three or more kids splitting up the other 50% while one gets 50%. And I've heard, I've even said it before, like that doesn't seem fair. The reasoning for that is that if the father was to die, it's now the responsibility of the older son to take care of the family. Okay, watch this. He does it because the son reveals the strength of the father. I need you to catch this. We are supposed to be generous because we're supposed to be showing signs of our father's strength. When believers are generous and we make sure that nobody goes without, people see the strength of our father. When we are stingy, and people go without. They can't help but wonder, where is the strength of our Father? And so that's my challenge to you. We'll, we'll sing a song here in a minute, and I really ask you to reflect on it. I don't have any kind of like action for you to do today, but I just want to challenge you to make it who you are. Let it become who you are to be generous financially, to be generous with your gifts, your talents, to let God use you so that those around you can see the strength of your Father. Amen? Father, we thank you right now.
for your word that is alive today, changing lives today. And this is just principles that I believe. It's why I think I can preach it with such conviction and fire is because I truly believe it. And I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen. Anytime I've ever given, I've never gone without. And sometimes you're teaching us that we can live off less than we think we can. It's not always about us getting double of what we had. Sometimes you do it, but sometimes you're just showing us that we actually have more than we need and that others don't. And so I pray for us as your children that you would challenge us with this word, that you would bring not only our church, but every church in the world back to the generosity of the early church, that we would do all we can to help. When we see somebody with a need, we do all we can to help and provide, that we trust you with our finances, that we serve out of our gift that we make a mandate about every day, who can we help and how can we help them? Father, when we leave church every week, yes, we experience your presence and it's amazing, but the opportunity to help somebody else, Father, that's incredible. That's the neurochemicals you put in our brain that are firing. It's the pleasure we experience because we have the opportunity to minister to somebody else. I think, Father, to just kind of cover that prayer with the idea that you are Jehovah Jireh. I want to talk to the person in here right now who really, really hears this message and really, really wants to be generous, but they're really afraid on where their provision will come from. Your word says you are Jehovah Jireh, which means you are the provider. And if we're generous in the name of Jesus, then Jehovah Jireh takes care of us. I pray that affirmation and confirmation word on us this morning. Come on, would you stand in here in this place with me this morning? Let's just put an exclamation point on today's message by singing that this morning, that you are our provider. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.